The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, welcome to Five on the Floor here on the Five Reasons Sports Network and on all the Five Reasons podcast feeds. You can find us on Red Circle, Google Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, also on the Five Reasons YouTube channel where you can see us. I'm not sure that you want to do that, but you can catch <laughs> all of the other South Florida content as well. Plenty on the Dolphins, but also on the Panthers and the Hurricanes. So just make sure you like and subscribe. Five Reasonsports.com. Unlike the newspapers, we do not have a paywall. And check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. That includes a new sponsor here. You can find them at mortgagebyarash.com. That's mortgage buyarash.com. If you're looking to make a quick purchase of a property, you better do that before interest rates are 15%. They've got you covered over at mortgagebuyarage.com. Competitive rates, down payment options as low as 3%, fast closings, most in less than 20 days, credit scores starting at 620. So if you're delinquent like me, uh, that will help you out. First-time home buyer programs are available and also borrower assistance programs are available to help with down payment and closing costs. So reach out to Arash, big Miami Heat fan. You can find him at mortgagebyarash.com or 954-601-3708. That's 954-601-3708. And now, today's episode. Down to Biscay. Yikes. Uh, five on the floor. Ride for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buck said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing. Got an all band. Y'all seen the block. Stop in one hand. And Pat, we trust. It's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. If you're watching on YouTube, I just realized we're going to need to update that video with everything that's happened this postseason. Today's floor plan, I'm Ethan Skolnick. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick and at Five Reasons Sports. I got Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket and from ESPN and from my memories in the Palm Beach Post cafeteria, Israel <laughs> Gutierrez, who you can find on ESPN. What's the Twitter handle these days? Is- uh, it is IZ Gutierrez. And uh, if you are watching on YouTube, uh, shout out to that ceiling of yours. And I've always wondered, <laughs> I've always thought that, you know, the pandemic and these streaming services have done wonders for the ceiling fan uh, business. And, you know, you've got a lovely ceiling fan there. So thanks for showing it off to us. No problem. This is actually my daughter's playroom uh, mm. because she's not here, A. And uh, and two, uh, my office is a mess. Mm. And so I only use this when Sasha's not here because otherwise she complains, my eight-year-old, that I should be cleaning the office and doing other things around the apartment. 
And so basically I just come in here when she's not here and try not to mess it up. And then she finds when I leave crumbs on the floor and stuff like that. Anyway, Israel, we appreciate it. We will try to get a ceiling fan sponsor in here shortly. So that will help us help us with the business. Uh, You're here because you've got your own podcast out. And so we're going to talk about that and we're going to go back in time a little bit from the perspective of you and I as reporters and Alex, who at the time was more of a fan, but yesterday he's asking every single question of every single person at the podium to the point that, this morning, when I turned on NBA TV, all I heard was Alex's voice, which was good. Uh, but you've got a new podcast out. Uh, tell us about it. It's Four Years of Heat, correct? Yeah, it's called Four Years of Heat, and I will take any sort of criticism on the name. That's fine. Uh, four Years of Heat with iHeartRadio and the NBA. Uh, the first episode releases tomorrow, the 23rd. And it's an eight-episode podcast. It's basically taking us through um, those four years again and just, you know, all the the weight that came with the pressure of LeBron showing up here, you know, the the ride uh, all the way to that championship, you know, taking you through everything from, you know, the early failure to the success to the to the very end to when he left and just going through with a lot of the people that were part of it, you know, not the big three themselves, but Shane Battier, Ray Allen, Udonis Haslam, Mario Chalmers, and then guys from other teams like Joakim Noah, Matt uh, Bonner, Boris Diaw, um, and then, you know, prominent uh, national voices in terms of uh, broadcast media, whether it's Rachel Nichols or uh, Dan Levitard and uh, Tim Reynolds and some others. And so it's retraced these steps. Dan Ben Gay also a familiar voice. Um, but it's just, it was so fun to go through. And like to think about, Ethan, it's been 10 years yeah. since the Ray Allen shot. Like that is mind boggling to me. It feels like it's been. You know, it was just two or three years ago. Like all that stuff happened before the Warriors uh, run. And it just kind of makes you feel a little bit old. But it was cool going back through all that stuff and just remembering some things that maybe not everybody would. And then there's some details in there that I know, even if you followed the team closely, you probably don't even know. All right. So let, let's get to sort of how this came together a little bit, because you mentioned the names who did participate. The big three guys you said did not participate. Who, who was of the, of the guys that that you got to participate who is the hardest to convince to go back through some of these memories? Uh, probably Joe Kim Noah. Uh, he was uh, he was the guy who, I mean, I he said he just right off the top, he's like, he's only doing this for me. And he doesn't really like talking about it. And even like somebody like Matt Bonner said, he only talks about it because they were able to recover and win the next year because it was so painful. Um, but, you know, some of you like Boris Dia, he joined me from like France. He joined me from his, you know, his house in, over in France and, you know, more than willing to discuss it. But yeah, Joe Kim was just one of those where, you know, he obviously was a a major focal point for that Chicago team, especially after, um, after D Rose went down and, you know, we talked a little bit, I'm not sure if it's getting in, uh, still got a couple episodes to finish up, but we talked a little bit about Philomena Tobias and the double middle fingers, uh, (laughs) while he was getting ejected and it was, you know, he's, he's such a, Uh, a sort of soulful spiritual guy and the one thing that came across with him is just even though it was sad even though it was uh, demoralizing to think about sometimes he loved the level of competition at that time and it was just you know for everybody who said that LeBron was ruining the, the league by putting that big three together it created some intense intense moments between them and some other teams and it was just like purity of competition and that's what you know Joe Kim loved about it but yeah, he was the one that had the, the most difficult time talking about it. I mean, unless you include the people who just flat out said no. 
because they probably didn't want to talk about it even worse than Joe Kim. Well, you know, I, the one guy I'm surprised, because you mentioned there, there were four teams I kind of associate as rivals of the Heat during that era, which is Chicago to a degree, of course. You know, they were the There's ones. Two in the East and two in the West, right? Uh, well, I was actually going to say three in the East, because I was going to say, I was going to mm. say Chicago, Indiana, Boston. Okay. And then and then I was going to say San Antonio on the other side. I mean, I guess the OKC series too, obviously, but but I I, I think of those three in the East because the Chicago look series the Heat came in as a two seed. They they were not the one seed in that series. They were not really supposed to win that series. LeBron didn't mm-hmm. win MVP. Right. Uh, no thanks to me since I made a mistake with that vote and voted for Derrick Rose and LeBron never Tell gave me. me. Um, yeah. So and Alex is shaking his head here. Uh, but we yes I know. Um, it, actually, he was angry at me for voting for Marcus Gasol as Defensive Player of the Year. But that's oh, all yeah, that will never. Oh, it lives forever. It lives it, it forever. Does, that well, mistake. Sometimes you know you you strain for impartiality, and so you end up going against your instincts, which is how. But I to, to, to your point about the Celtics, though, it's weird because yeah, they pushed him to Game Seven, and LeBron had that great game, but that was more LeBron to me. It was more about him overcoming the moment. It could have been any of the rivals, you know what I mean, in that moment. Um, to me, Indiana, because they were so surprising, because they were so physical, um, were, and Chicago, because it was, I mean, that first year was just so much, like the most three and most intense, or two of the three most intense regular season games ever, that, that Chicago team. And then the other team that I put, the other team in the Western Conference, and maybe this has a little bit of residue from 2006, but the Mavericks. Dallas. because. Not only did they beat them and force everything to change, including LeBron's philosophy, Spoh's philosophy, but um, they beat them the two times in the regular season. They made them, you know, the nine and eight bump gate, and then the only other game that they lost in that twenty-one of twenty-two stretch was the Mavericks. And so it felt it like they, almost got they were Spoh, the reason for so much. Spoh, the way Spoh talks about it, he'll say they almost got him fired twice. That, yeah. that they almost got they almost got him fired at because Spoh talks about that 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 in another organization he would have been fired three times that we wouldn't be having these conversations that people are having on my timeline right now where they're arguing whether Spo is more Bill Belichick or Don Shula. Uh, yeah. At the time there was firespo.com websites yeah. because they weren't, weren't supposed to keep him when LeBron came in. We're supposed to keep him at nine and eight when we waited for 55 minutes outside the locker room while Dwayne was basically reading them the riot act inside. Uh, and then things were getting leaked to, to you know, to to Chris Broussard for ESPN.com to make everything blow up the next day. And then, and that was Dallas. And then it was Dallas again, of course, in the 2011 finals uh, with the, what happened with LeBron, but also with Mike Bibby playing ahead of Mario Chalmers. Right. And I, I, have a, I have a long-term theory on that. But those are the primary teams that I think of. Um, you know, Dallas, so Dallas should be in the mix for sure. I, I guess with Indiana, to me, they were kind of the annoying little brother. Like, yeah. it, like, like, like they were punching up at the Heat all the time. Lance Stevenson, primary, uh, what was it? Ray called him a nincompoop. Um, I don't know <laughs> if he got, <laughs> got into that with yeah. the last That was like the third year of it, and he was almost like their last resort, if you will, uh, because the first year kind of got the heat off the heat off guard. But you remember. Dwayne was going through the knee mm-hmm. things and wasn't himself until you got to like game four and you know, you didn't have Chris Bosch. So man, it's crazy. You started Dexter Pittman as a champion uh, in the playoffs. You started Dexter Pittman in a game. He never played again. Never, never. I mean, he got suspended in game six of that <laughs> series for uh, unnecessary flagrant two on Lance, Lance Stevenson. And yeah, never, never played again. Never played again. Life and then the, the second year with, with Indiana, it was that, 
man, they won game one on the, you know, the buzzer beater from LeBron and then lost game two. And it's like, wait a second, this wasn't supposed to be this hard. And then it became that way. We must overcome Roy Hibbert, which is the only team in history that has ever said that. And so that part makes Indiana just, and then, you know, you got the Udonis experience with Tyler Hansbro and everything that happened there. So to me, it makes Indiana that team be uh, one of those rivals because it, it made you go into that place and dig deep the way Dwayne did and, and LeBron did in that game four to score 70. Like there weren't too many teams that made them do that. Chicago did, uh, Boston did for that game six for, for uh, certainly. And then Indiana for probably two of those, maybe three of those four years. Yeah, and, and of course it was the Birdman uh, getting Birdman getting suspended and Jawan uh, Jawan's confrontation, all of that stuff that happened. Uh, I'll always remember those series too. And the, the Wade thing was the one that always sticks out to me is that him going at Spo on the sideline, uh, right in front of me, <laughs> be at Windhorse. Uh, if everybody knows what Dwayne actually said that day, it would have gotten a lot more attention. I remember people were looking for that video, uh, and then Udonis jumps in there, and then Dwayne goes to see Tom Crean. Uh, LeBron goes to see the dictator. I remember that because we were in a movie theater where Le we were the only people in the movie theater with LeBron and he was cackling during the whole thing. And then Dwayne comes back and he and Bron, you mentioned it, had the greatest, uh, to me, that was the greatest two-man performance I've ever seen in person. Those three games. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jordan and Pippen, what they did, what others did together. But the way they did that without Chris and then to come, then for you know, waiting for Chris to come back in the Boston series, and everybody thinking that Spo was going to get fired and Chris was going to get traded, and then of course LeBron has the game six. I, the one guy I'm surprised, and I, I want I want Alice to jump in here with a memory or two uh, for you and go as a question with you. The one guy I'm surprised didn't talk was Bosch, because I know you have a so relationship with Chris. What's that? Yeah, so was I. Pretty surprised. Um, I I don't know if those guys are just doing their own projects, although, you know, audio only podcast, probably not something that they're going to have to worry about clashing with. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I wonder if they just, you know, maybe didn't want to go there yet. Maybe wanted to unveil whatever they want to unveil about those years on their own. And I don't blame them, frankly. Like, I mean, I have a great relationship with, with Dwayne too. And I was a little surprised that he didn't do it, but I, I, I totally get it. And um, you know, this is an NBA supported or backed podcast, right? So if and they tried to get us some guys and you know if the nba couldn't get them i'm just like all right that's fine that's totally understandable but it's also still going to be presented in a way where you can hear their voices because i have access to all the nba stuff and all any of the, uh, the broadcasts any of the post games and stuff so you'll still hear their voices and um you know i, I think they've talked in spots you know i remember we used a clip from chris bosh on the uh, the old man in the three podcast with jj reddick and he was really good and you know as much as it would have been great to dig it a little deeper with them, I think you kind of get the sense of what they thought, what, you know, what they went through just from talking to everybody else. And then on occasion, you know, using their archival voice. Alex, you want to jump in here? So it's funny. I mean, uh, you said for, you know, I should bring up some memories. My original uh, thought when Izzy was talking earlier there was, you know, you mentioned the guys who didn't speak and, you know, you just mentioned now certain guys who maybe want to present it in their own way when it comes to guys who were playing for the heat. But mm -hmm. my follow-up question was who were the guys that didn't speak that were the heat's opponents? Because <laughs> I feel like as a journalist, I had to ask. Uh, and then the other thing was, I, you know, I wanted to ask if you, what kind of parallels you see between this, you know, the big three team and this heat team and what they're doing, you know, not even necessarily the X's and O's, even though, you know, there was a lot of blitzing last night, for example, but, um, are there any parallels there? So those are kind of my There's a few. I'll get to those in a sec. Uh, it's funny. The guys you know, guys who wouldn't talk, you know, the Spurs are really 
tight yeah. lift. They don't really say much. And even though I was kind of hoping, you know, Popovich would give me a little time, didn't get any from him. Um, none of the Pacers. Shocked. None of the Pacers. Uh, <laughs> like David West. Uh, it was another Not even one. former Heat great Danny Granger? <laughs> no, not. Well, no. Um, Paul George, I tried just because, you know, I, I wrote a story on him, his most improved year, and and thought, you know, maybe he can get in there uh, for a few minutes. I think he might have even been hurt at the time. But uh, that we asked, it was like, no, but I mean, I get that. <laughs> I totally get that part. And um, yeah. What about, what about Vogel is, did you, did you try Vogel? Cause it, it seems to me like he, he had come to terms with that whole period, particularly after he won a championship. Yeah, I did try. just felt like, uh, I don't know if there was no response there. It just kind of felt like um, maybe just didn't want to go over it again. And maybe cause he doesn't have a job at the moment. Didn't want to uh, talk about that time. Maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, I, like I said, I think, I think we got a good, and, and you know, look, it's eight episodes and you talk about maybe 35 to 40 minutes of actual content in there. You know, how, I mean, four years is a long time. It could have been a hundred episodes, to be honest, if you really wanted to nail down every story over those four years. So you can kind of get the sense of, of a lot of things without having to talk to every single person, you know, around every single game. Oh, and well, you know what? Let's let's save the stuff for after the break about uh, about the parallels to the current team. I do want I do want Great to point. Yes. I, 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 I got one more thing uh, on this because my view on that team was that it, it's it's going to live forever in its uniqueness mm -hmm. because it was the first ever Twitter team, uh, the first ever real social media team. Michael never had to deal with the kind of stuff LeBron did during that era. And also Michael was never tweeting at 3.45 a.m. now or never. <laughs> in Dallas. I remember I remember right. being I remember being at a drive-through at a Whataburger, don't ask why, at 3:45 in the morning Eastern, 2:45 Dallas, or they asked me, yeah, 2:45 Dallas time. And we see this tweet come in from King James now or never, <laughs> and I'm like, there's no chance they're winning this series. Like he was he was he was absolutely so in his head at that point. But I don't think they'll ever be another team like it. I I I've never. said this, and to me like that was I, I remember, and you and I are both close friends with with Sedano. And I, I remember when I decided to to cover them was I'd been doing the columnist stuff on the Dolphins and everything else. And we went to the the big show, which they regretted afterwards, with the introduction mm -hmm. and the not one, not two, one, three. And George looks at me and goes, "You're not gonna effing cover this." And our and our friend Nick Michelle, it was the next day. I spoke to Nick, and he's like, "Why don't you come back here and be a columnist and cover this team every day?" Because I knew at the time there was never going to be. Why would I cover the Dolphins anymore? Right, um, right. But you know, it was like there was never going to be a team like that anymore. And, and and I don't think there will be another one that faces that kind of pressure. You know, Golden State talks about pressure. They didn't have pressure like that team did. No. I mean, you, you mentioned the Chicago thing, regular season game. Five game homestand where they lost all five games, all five games. And it was after that game they had Crygate, which was one of their 10 games. Yes. And we spent the next three weeks trying to figure out who it was was crying in the locker room. Yes. I know now, right? Like, right. It was, right. There was Cablegate. Chris Bosch, all he said was he couldn't get the good cable in Toronto at a shootout, and it was an international incident. Um, you, you had every contraction gate where LeBron talks about well, Kevin uh, Love. Uh, imagine Kevin Love being on another Kevin team, Love. and all of a sudden it's contraction gate. <laughs> right. I mean, there was there was everything was the gate, and then of course, my my absolute favorite. It wasn't the first year, but the you know shut the f up and manage your own team, uh, which which still is. I'm, I'm Danny Ainge not willing to speak for this or no? No, I mean didn't even <laughs> ask to be honest, uh, Ethan. All you have to do is go through that first 
two months of the first mm-hmm. season, two months of the regular season where this time in the NBA, nobody gives a bleep about. Look at the minutes for LeBron, Dwayne, and Bosch. Against Chicago, they played like 42-plus minutes in like the second <laughs> month of the season. So even Spo was feeling that pressure. It was absolutely an insane time. It, no, it, it was. I saw Every night was theater, right? That's kind of how it felt. Like in the regular season, uh-huh. like you mentioned, it just, it just feels so marginalized compared to what it used to be. You know, it, every night Absolutely. was theater. I mean, they all I think they like kind of helped ruin the regular season. Yeah, they, they, and they kind of helped ruin the regular season by losing, or the importance of it, by losing all those games to Chicago and then, you know, gentlemen sweep five games. Right, and yeah, that was easy. And that, and that was, again, another of the greatest two-man performances I've ever seen where they were down, what, 11 at the end of that game, and and it was just and they're screaming. Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spell it out, but H A M as they're heading uh, to the locker room. Uh, you know, LeBron and Dwayne. It was unbelievable. I mean, there were so many moments from all that that uh, so many little moments too. I mean, even the Dexter Pittman thing. You you mentioned like I, I felt so bad for him. Like yeah. he can't. He was waiting the whole year to get his opportunity. Spo looked at him. I just we were watching. And we're like he's never playing again. Like the level of pressure on those teams. You could not make mistakes. No. You could not make mistakes because it was going to be so it was going to be so amplified by everything that was going on, and even what you know. Again, I know you were the ESPN now at the time. Um, I mean, them sending four people to cover the team every day. I mean, oh, the heat was, index, yeah, right, which, which yeah. was ridiculous. <laughs> having and I love all four guys, but having Wallace and, and Artovitz and, and Haberstroh and Winworth yeah. to literally cover like one guy for personnel, one guy for personality, one guy for stats, one guy for strategy. Like they built a super team to cover a super <laughs> team. It was, and, and here I was working by myself at the Palm Beach Post. Fun, fun times. One right, of the quick little in. things, really quick, before we go to break, one uh, little thing that Joe Kim Noah told me about that series is like after they won game one, the Bulls went out, passed by the Heat locker room. All the players were still standing outside the locker room purposely making it a point to say, no, we're good. You guys didn't really take our heart at all. We're going to win this series. And he was like, it, not only was it intentional, but it worked. I'm sure it did. I, Because I, I, I think as much as the media got in the Heat's heads during that period of time, the Heat got in other teams' heads yep. during that period of time, unless you were J.J. Barea, in which case that was a whole other story. Did anybody – I'm just curious about this because when I've done – we've done a bunch of Heat Stories episodes here. Mm-hmm. And when I, and we've had – I've had Rio on. I've had, I've, had, I've had Bosch on. I've had others over time, right? Has anybody ever explained what happened to LeBron in the 2011 NBA Finals? Because I've never gotten anybody to, like, really clarify what happened there. Just psychologically to him, something. Because as we pivot after the break, there are people talking about this Jimmy run as mm-hmm. being the best individual run since Dirk. Yeah. Okay? But, but Dirk beat LeBron's team. Because LeBron was garbage in the finals in a way he had never been before or since. Did anybody ever explain? Because I've never gotten a full explanation from anybody close to LeBron, anybody who played with LeBron, anybody who played against LeBron. I will have an answer for you after the break. Okay, we just lost Ethan there. Um, <laughs> that is definitely not ideal. Feels like um, a good time to take a break, no? No, yeah, great time to take a break. <laughs> I, I seriously thought you did that. And I'm like, wait a second. You don't definitely was you, not. Right? <laughs> You're like, I'll have an answer for you. And then all of a sudden my screen went black. <laughs> no, right, no, you know insane what? timing. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's 
I, LeBron's people, that's probably Adam Mendelson who called in and made sure. Okay, <laughs> actually, Adam wasn't working for him at the time. He joined him after that series. All right, we're going to tell you about two sponsors here, and then we're going to, we'll, maybe we'll get Ezra's answer, and then we'll also pivot to the current team here. I do want to mention Prize Fix, use the code 5 FIVE, get that initial deposit matched up to $100 playing on the NBA Conference Finals, the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Finals, golf, tennis, uh, boxing, MMA, esports. It's all there. Go to prizefix.com, just rate the number one fastest growing sports product in the country. Again, if you use the code five, put down up to $100, they will match whatever you put up to the $100, and you can use it right away. There's no rollovers, nothing like that. It's literally free money. They got promos going on all the time. So use the code five, F I V at prizepicks.com. It looks like we may have a few days off between the conference finals and the NBA finals. I don't want to jinx it, but when we do, or if we do, why don't you plan a graduation party for your kid? Go to miamigamingparties.com. It's miamigamingparties.com. They bring everything, the PS5s, the games that you choose. They got a VIP experience uh, if you want that. Everything at miamigamingparties.com. They even bring you the trophies. So everything is provided by miamigamingparties.com. Check out the site. This is a new concept down here in South Florida. And again, you got a few days off. You got a graduation, big event, something like that. They, you choose the venue. They'll come to your home. You can choose another venue, whatever it is you want. Check it out at Miami Gaming Parties. That's MGP, Miami Gaming Parties.com. Hey, it's Ethan Skolnick for Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. As you know, we heard from Pat Riley recently. Everybody has an opinion on trades, free agency, who they should keep, who they should give up, who they should get. Well, whatever it is that Riley and the Heat do, you don't want them giving up too much and getting too little, right? Well, the same is true of shaving products. And that's why. I use Harry's shaving products. I love the way it handles. I love the way it looks. And I love the quality of the shave. I have a little bit of trouble growing out a good beard. So better to just shave it off and make sure that it looks somewhat professional. These are German-engineered blades made in their own factory. So they stay sharp longer. It means you can use them longer. And also, they've got customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as 2 bucks, half of what you pay for other big brands. Also, I would recommend the shaving lotion as well and the body wash. So check it out. You can go to harrys.com backslash five. That's harrys.com backslash five. You'll get a $13 trial set for just three bucks. Again, don't pay too much and get too little. Same is true of shaving as NBA transactions. harrys.com backslash five for your $3 trial set. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let, let's get to that. You can give that other answer later. What we're seeing Jimmy do, what we're seeing Jimmy do now, okay, um, and, and it's cool the little last couple of games. They haven't been as reliant on him because the role guys are going nuts. 
Mm -hmm. But I was trying to find a parallel to this kind of run and others have been trying to find a parallel. And there's a couple that come to mind. So you, you throw these out there. Uh, first thing, he, he's an eight seed. Uh, we haven't seen an eight seed get to the finals other than the Knicks. You know, that 99, yeah, they didn't have a player carrying them in this degree. That was Sprewell, that was Houston, that was Camby, et cetera, when Ewing went out. Mm-hmm. 2011 Dirk is one that comes to mind. You look at the teams, the level of Hall of Famers that he beat. He beat Kobe, he beat Shaq. He beat a whole bunch of, of Hall of Fame type players during that run, yeah. culminating with LeBron, Wade, and Bosch. Uh, Akeem. As a number six seed, uh, I think every team he beat won at least 59 games, I believe, during mm-hmm. that run. And a whole bunch of Hall of Famers there. I think that was the 95 season. Is this comparable? Like, where does this one fit? Well, in terms of those, the biggest comp to me would be Houston because, like Akeem, he's doing it on both ends of the floor and really elevating his teammates, you know, to do to be something that, maybe they wouldn't be like Kenny Smith wouldn't be able to get all those open shots, right. Without uh, a lot of the attention that, that Akeem brought. So I would say that's the most comparable, but I think the thing that stands out to me in this, I don't think there is a comp and this sort of answers Alex's question from earlier about comparisons between, you know, the two eras Um, when, because we just talked about it, right. The, the, the willingness or the ability for Pat to yeah, sticking balls, forget every what everybody else says, riding with this guy. He's not only already good, but he's going to get better, right? And so that 2012 offseason, you remember what he did. First of all, he was so upset with himself, and we'll get, and that's part of the, the LeBron answer as well. He was so upset with himself. He wanted to, you know, go take that whole offseason. He got the pace and space stuff with Chip Kelly, right? Um, but he, they stuck with him, and he got better. Right. And that's what this team is doing. When you talk about a, a Bam Adebayo, who was a role player in college and you give him all these uh, opportunities to and he just keeps taking them and consuming them and just like Pac-Man and just gets better and better. But it's sticking with him. Same thing with Gabe Vincent. Right. He was playable before, but now he's gotten to a point where he is so much better that he is more than playable. He's a starting caliber point guard on a team in the Eastern Conference Finals. Duncan Robinson, he went from doing what he does best was just shooting and hitting 45% of his shots to not being playable because he wasn't good enough and then has gotten better at so many other things. The things that he did yesterday, man, if I'm Malcolm Brogdon, I'm really hoping nobody checks the tape on how badly he got his ass cooked on the perimeter with just a little jab step from Duncan. I mean, I'm pretty sure he left both feet and jumped to his right. And Duncan was like, okay, I'll go this way then. And uh, doing a lot of things that he couldn't do before. And it's all just a testament to sticking with it and trust. And God, this is going to sound like a Philadelphia thing, but it's trusting the process because you know that they're going to teach you the right things, put you in the right positions and give you the confidence to execute those things when you're in a game. And so that part we haven't seen really ever, like somebody emerging to the level of Caleb Martin, emerging to the level of Max Struess last year, and he's continued it this year. Like, these are all players where you look at them and you just say, man, and when it's most important, they're performing. So why wouldn't I give that dude a lot of money? You know what I mean? Uh, some other franchise probably thinking that those things. And so from that respect, I don't know if we've ever seen that, like the culmination 
of years of uh, what's the old word stick to itiveness and just willing to believe in your guys, tweak a little bit and not listen to the outside noise, which is what Eric Spolster perfected from being the coach of that team, starting with his third year with LeBron and Dwayne and, 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 you know, tuning out everything that came with it. And so all that's just a testament to everything they've all believed in this whole time and built up. And it's, it's margins. Like they still could have lost in Milwaukee if Giannis doesn't get hurt or whatever, but it just goes to show you that you should have faith in these guys, because regardless of, you know, how far the results go in terms of mediocrity or, or results that you don't like, you just know that they're not going to stay with something that's going to fail. Like they, if they're sticking with something, it's because they believe it in it. Is Spo is Spo a better coach now than Repton Pat ever was? Oh yeah. I mean, I think th everything about the game is true in terms of bigger, faster, stronger, but the coaches and strategy is a lot more diff different. You know, right. um, you look at even some of the stuff that Joe Missoula is doing and the Boston Celtics are doing. It's, it's all good, you know, solid new, you know, today's version of offense, but there's not enough variety in that to really make them, as difficult to defend as it could be. And I think, you know, Spo in a team that doesn't have that same level of offensive variety and just maximized everybody's ability in a way that, you know, Pat's old answer was just play defense harder and get better shots. Um, but it was never this consistent changes of, you know, slight uh, strategic things that just kind of make a huge difference. And, um, you know, if Pat were coaching in this era, he would figure all this stuff out too. But the thing about that Spo is just, you know, I think him being built in those big three years was just so critical for him because it was the ultimate test for him all the time in terms of strategy, in terms of dealing with egos, in terms of dealing with media, in terms of, you know, instant PR, you know, fixes and stuff. And it's just like, man, if I just trust my basketball knowledge and just go into a cave, dig in, you know, with my coaches and, 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 and trust our ability to figure these things out, then we haven't really ever failed. I mean, yeah, they've, they've hit their ceiling a couple of times and maybe had that one burp in the first round against Milwaukee, but honestly, he's been killing it ever since, ever since that first title. And he just keeps getting better. Well, I go back to what he said uh, that first year as he was going through it. And I remember, I think we were in Phoenix after a game and it, on the court, he just goes, you know, in 25 years, I'm going to be able to look back and say, I coached this team. Yeah. Like that was always his perspective on it. There was this sort of uh, peace with that, even in the storm, like no matter how bad this gets, like I shouldn't be here. And that's the funny thing about this whole undrafted narrative, which is now getting a lot of attention because Spo finally spoke out about it. And I've been killing Reggie Miller for it. And now KG and Draymond are on Twitter today saying it's insensitive to these guys that you're not undrafted anymore. It's pejorative at a certain point. Once yes. you, I mean, I mean, Gabe Vincent is 18 and four as a starter in the playoffs. He's 18 and four. Okay. Now it's not all him, obviously, but it, enough of the, I think the reason that it's starting to annoy Eric is Eric's undrafted. Yeah. Like Eric's undrafted. I'm not talking about it as a player. Eric was undrafted. Like he, mm -hmm. he's not, he came the hardest route you possibly can to be a head coach in the NBA, he's not some former NBA player who two years later, they decide, okay, uh, this yeah. guy has some leadership qualities like a Chauncey Billups or something along this line. He, he's, he's, he was undrafted. And so he's not really supposed to be here. And I think he's had that peace with it. Alex and I and, and Brady, we've all kind of, uh, you know, we've sort of marveled at the, the changes that Spo makes mm -hmm. during these games. So I guess I will let you guys riff on this a little bit more because as a tactician, to me, he's gotten much better. I mean, Alice, even you have seen over the past, since you've been covering the team, it's been three years, right, that you've been 
pretty much covering the team full time. This is the fourth season, so the whole Jimmy era. The whole Jimmy. I mean, it's and and part of it was in the bubble, so we couldn't see it up close, or at least a lot of it. Like, but and your view is he's come a long way tactically, right? I mean, I think so too. I think he's always been somebody who's willing to try stuff, but it felt like kind of the um, the rap on him early on as a coach was that sometimes he would be, you know, quote unquote, too stubborn with you know whether you're talking about whether you talk about matchups, rotation, starting lineup. You know, I think you know you've made the point in the past, Ethan, as far as like, you know, he waited too long to start Mario Chalmers over Mike Bibby in the 11 finals, things of that nature. And Mario's yeah. made that point too. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> I'm, sure he, I'm sure he made that point several times as it was happening for sure. But no, like, I think like now is the culmination, right? I think it's the culmination of everything Spo has done. And you know, the, the way he's, I think the, the in-between years between the big three and now with the Jimmy era where we saw him, build up all these dudes into playable rotation players. He's doing it now with um, – and it's not all spoke, of course. I'm not going to try to take away credit from um, the actual players developing in those roles. But he finds what guys are good at, just molds them, and puts them in the, in the right role, you know, helps them figure out the other things along the way. But I think everybody is playing within themselves because of the way Spoke puts these guys in the right position. And then you talk about schematically, like, man, he has done so much – differently just in these playoffs as far as he hasn't stuck to one game plan i think mm-hmm. he's done a little bit of everything well that was uh, part of the juice let's go back to 2011 all right they're in the finals um the game plan against the heat was very much the greg popovich the stuff make him take contested uh mm-hmm. two-point jumpers if you remember back then three-point shooting was okay uh between the you know the paint and the three-point line the two-point was is it bad for him that year especially in the playoffs and and they looked at those numbers the Mavericks did and said wow we keep him in that in that range we're going to get the best possible uh or least efficiency from him and they really didn't have a plan for Dwayne and Chris Bosh it was like hey you know normal plan you know they're respected players but this is the plan for him um it worked but not really enough uh because Dwayne was doing enough because he's great and you can't really not pay attention to him and you know all of a sudden they're up to one the Heat are in that series you know and if not for and this is where the mythology of sports, like we all talk about, it's BS. Well, you remember the shadow boxing in game yes. two with Dwayne and like that, that set them off the Mavericks and they just, they the coughing. The, no, the no, no, no. The, the, the coughing, the coughing was later, but in, right. in game two, the heat were yeah. up and at home and you know, Dwayne hit a big shot, kind of left the, uh, left the hand there for a little bit in front of the, the bench. And then they kind of started doing shadow boxing on the way back. And that just really ticked off the Mavericks. And I don't think the heat scored again in that game uh and then so you get to game four and this is what um if you look at the scores there it was like in the 80s for the mavericks they weren't putting up great numbers and then rick carlisle said we need to affect our offense we need to do better offensively i'm going to put jj berea in the starting lineup and that wasn't a lebron thing that was oh they got mike bibby on that team jj can guard him and so they did that but they also went to a zone and that zone, that just the combination of the zone and just the 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 little, I didn't say little people, but the smaller players in front of LeBron in the basket, it's just they built a wall. It wasn't the biggest wall, but they built a wall for him constantly. And he didn't feel good enough about taking the jumper. He didn't feel good enough about, you know, that patented fadeaway that he's got now. And so um, they just lost him. And he was just saying, here you go, Dwayne, do something. And like they were asking him to do more. But if you go back and look at these games, even that second game that they lost, like, they were there. They were in it, right? And so it answers both your question about LeBron, I think, is just that 
he just got out schemed and it's crazy now you throw the pressure and everything and having Wayne as your teammate and being confused if you're Michael or, J- or Scotty in that situation all that is quite confusing uh but he got out schemed and um it, it he looked terrible scoring eight points in a game um but to 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 to, to so it wasn't, point it wasn't like, all Greg Doyle. It wasn't all Greg Doyle because I remember Greg Doyle no. got a lot of credit for that for asking the yeah. question in the post game press. Greg shrinking. Doyle took a lot of credit for it, right? That yeah. you know about about his struggles in the fourth quarter. See, see, I, I, I to me, my perception is I think it's both. I think he got out schemed and then he got in his own head. And, of and, course, and and, and and I don't think at that point of his career and his life. He was he was able to get himself out of his own head. It it, it, nope. se- it seemed like exactly right. every everything he dealt with the entire year. I mean, because I think it was cumulative to a certain degree. I mean, I remember us being in Portland of all places, okay, and he had this great overtime against Portland, but he was getting booed mercilessly Ooh, in Portland, yeah. in Memphis, and and LeBron would try to talk us into the fact that he liked to be the villain. He did not yeah. like. He, and LeBron then he told was, you afterward. He interviewed with Rachel Nichols. He was like, ah, I lied. I wasn't really. I didn't like that. And then just no, to finish that like thought it. real quick with Spo, yeah. Spo didn't have an answer. He did right. not have an answer for that. And he, and you know, Shane Battier told me he just like, I mean, he wasn't on the team, but they talked about it mm-hmm. the next year when he was on the team. Spo just kind of went to the same things over and over again, hoping that, man, these superstars are going to get me out of this. And they just didn't. And then so he was ticked off. I don't know if you read the athletic story, but he was annoyed. He was pissed off and he sat there and, you know, put it on himself. And so it was a little bit of everybody. It wasn't just LeBron shrinking. It was, you know, coach not having the, the right reaction, but Imagine today, not just in a game, but in a series, Spo not having an answer. That would be impossible. We'd all be like, okay, there's the adjustment. Boom. Now it's your turn, opposing coach. And that year, you know, Rick Carlisle just got him. But you know what I think is another part of that? Because it all cycles back to Spo now. Is that, like, you see the way that Spo interacts with Jimmy now, right? Mm-hmm. And the way that he went at Jimmy last year, mm-hmm. okay? He was not comfortable enough in his own skin to go with LeBron that year and nope. impose whatever the adjustment was going to be. Because I, as Spoh told me, it wasn't really until the second year, about halfway through the second year, that he sat down with LeBron and he said, "Are you going to let me coach you? Are you going to?" So that hadn't happened yet. And also, what hadn't happened yet was LeBron sort of locking himself in a room for two weeks and then finding yeah. a media coach and all the other and and me, going to Akeem, developing a post game. And all those things. So it's it's almost like well, we looked at it like, okay, Braun is this polished superstar, but he wasn't really ready yet. And Spo wasn't really ready to be the coach to get him over the finish line. No. That happened the next year. It, it, it happened the next year. And it happened in part, and I remember because they started in Dallas to avenge yep. the loss, and they beat the Mavericks by like – they beat the brakes off them by like 35 yep. points after waiting until Christmas, essentially, right? Yeah. Because the season started so late. And we're like, okay, this is different. Like, this is different. Like, they have a different mentality of this. They came back from the offseason different. LeBron came back different. The only the, the thing that will always depress me about those years is we didn't get to see Pete Dwayne with LeBron for longer. Because I, I feel like three years of Dwayne's career were basically wasted. The 08, 09. 09-10 and 10-11 where he was I'd argue still... two of those were. I think 08-09 was his look yeah. how good I am year. And you needed right. that. Like you needed to show that he was on the same level as LeBron um, and, and have the scoring title and everything else. Just basically him saying, if I really wanted to, could have had a couple MVPs and could have had all the individual accolades. Mm-hmm. But it's not that important to me. Funny because I think you fans look, look back on that with a lot of like, you know, positive feelings and nostalgia yeah. just watching Dwayne do that. Like, 
you know, Spo and Dwayne had those teams looking competitive. And you just oh. look at those rosters now. Like, how did they oh win? 47, 48 wins. Unbelievable. <laughs> that was that was like what in, in the TD Garden when Beasley didn't play in the entire second half of that last game. And, and Dwayne goes to the podium. But Dwayne didn't used to speak out like this. He, this came, and he's, he was in the, and he's like, I need help. Like, I just need help. <laughs> and then it's like, it's like, all right. Here's Rob. Here's 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 Chris. Uh, Yo, he had that the press conference after Game Five against the Celtics in 2010, where they lost in the first round. And he just one of the things, you know, he said uh, last time being out in the first round for a while. But another little nugget that I didn't even remember was when he said, "Yeah, I look forward to you know playing with some great players." And I'm just like, oh, "Wow, he yeah. just flat out said it." <laughs> it's like, "Oh, they're gonna play. I'm gonna be teammates with great players next year. You just wait wow. and see." Uh, well, he he was he was he was with he a really few of them. Was. I mean, great um, ball. I I want to I want to ask about one guy in particular here because you you mm-hmm. mentioned you talked to UD. Um, I know you and I both have very warm feelings about UD. Uh, and actually, last night I was I was I was watching and people are chanting, "We want Haslam," and and I know he doesn't want that. Like he right. doesn't want that. He doesn't want to be like he doesn't want to be the victory cigar, the circus clown. Okay, he proved this year when he got back, he got in the game. He doesn't have to be. Um, I, I've argued he's my favorite pe- person I've ever covered uh, mm-hmm. in the 25 years I've been doing this, primarily Dolphins and Heat, et cetera. What, for you, has made him unique? Um, what's made him unique is, honestly, from the beginning, a lot of people sort of have to go through their experiences fully to have this you know, proper perspective on things, but he got here and he was like 23, 24 years old, had already, you know, uh, come up in Miami, uh, lived some in Jacksonville, did a lot of, you know, the, the overcoming of things, whether it be being the big guy and winning state championships in Miami, um, and then getting to Florida, losing all the weight, going over to France, losing more weight. And like, he just came in with this sort of wise, uh, just persona and he's always been really nice regardless uh he's supposed to be the tough guy you would think he's an a-hole always really nice and like as you go you can just recognize that he's gotten more and more just worldly and just um really understands people and just knows what relationships are all about and just an awesome dude and i'll always um you know i'll always remember him showing up the first day and I'd been covering the heat for what three seasons now two, two, two plus seasons at that point and he comes in and I'd covered him in college and I just didn't recognize him I was like because <laughs> he was wearing braids and he was looked like half the person I was like that can't be you Donis Haslam and it was and then all of a sudden 20 years later this MFR is still here and like and you think about the uh the the, the eras that he's went through and, you know, right now, I think the the embodiment that was Udonis has, I'm like, his lasting impact to me um, was when I saw Jimmy Butler forehead to forehead with Grant Williams. All I saw was Udonis has him. Mm-hmm. All I saw was Udonis either doing that himself or empowering Jimmy. Not that Jimmy needs the empowerment, but empowering Jimmy to do that and everybody recognizing that, oh, that's just what he does. And that's just who he is. And that to me was 1000% Udonis. And his influence, uh, just a great guy and great, um, great family man. And, you know, not perfect in any way, but, you know, knows that and kind of works his way through through that as well. So just a, a great influence and, and a great representation of what this uh, community in South Florida means. What I've said is um, he's had, what, almost 200 teammates at this point. Mm-hmm. I've never heard anybody say anything bad about him mm-hmm. ever. 
I, I, and that's not true. Any of the other guys you mentioned, there's somebody. There's somebody. Didn't like playing with them, thought they got too much shine. I never heard anything. And to me, his legacy is the way that, and I'll bring up the word again, the undrafteds, the, the guys mm-hmm. who look at him, the way that they, they rally towards him. Uh, it's There's all these guys around the NBA who owe something to him, and he'll never ask for it to be repaid. That That's yeah. the amazing thing about him uh and it's why in this town like there have been better athletes there's you can't leave him off a miami heat top 10 list you can't mm-hmm. i don't care where he falls because it, he he does embody all of it all right final one we appreciate the time with israel check out uh the podcast i will be i was going to write a book and it just never happened so now i'm just going to listen to your podcast there's plenty of room for a book yeah after all, the podcast. all my notes are in storage somewhere um <laughs> and probably never to be found if they win this championship Mm-hmm. Is this the best one? I'm not saying the hardest one, because yeah. it's clearly the hardest one. Okay, but is it the best one? Because you covered—I mean, the first one you covered was 06. Okay, I was mm-hmm. there with you covering it, um, and then obviously LeBron's, and that was—that's your first organization is always going to be significant. Dwayne's first, uh, the second one, you know, LeBron's breakthrough—you know, that team cutting through all of this clutter and crap and everything else to win. The next one having to win on a Ray Allen shot and then close it the next and to finish a season that had 27 game winning streak. Uh, But is this is this the and then almost winning in 2020 in the bubble, obviously, but but is this the the best one? Okay, so I've been thinking about this for a couple of days now, uh, you know, assuming they, they can go on and win it, which. Don't look at those box scores against Denver in the regular season if you want no, to think don't. they're going to win it. No, don't look at them uh, the last <laughs> 10 years, actually. Don't, right. Don't, don't look at anything they've done in Denver ever. Just don't. Here's where I landed on this is they're honestly the same, all the same for different reasons because they're different, okay? So the first one, the, the thing that was amazing, it was the first one. That whole feeling of like, Wow, they're in the finals. Like, even if you're not playing in it, it just feels different. You're even more nervous. It's like, I've been watching this team all year long. I didn't know they were finals good. You know what I mean? Like, it's felt so strange for a team that's never made it there, right? And then, you know, they win it. And you win it with a guy who are just like, holy crap, that could be Michael Jordan part two. And so that feeling of, like, not only did we break through on the first try. I mean, you don't count the year before in the conference finals. Breakthrough really on the first try, but you got this guy for a long time now. And so that's just like, it immediately like sets you in to, I am a championship fan. It's official. Like there's nothing you can do about that for the next 10 years. Um, That's the baseline of what I'm expecting. So that just elevates you so much. The other ones with LeBron, it was so, everything was so elevated. Like there's just the, the, you had goosebumps and the hairs on your, on your arms were always elevated because it just came with all that pressure. And the only reason that doesn't fly ahead of these other two, if that if this year's happened, is because it came with that level of angst as well. And some people say it makes you feel alive, but I just want to be happy. Like, I don't want to be nervous <laughs> going into it. And then this one shows you that, man, the organization took all that and still has that championship ability. But the underdog version of it makes you think literally every single year you're in the playoffs, you're going to have this thought. You're going to have this possibility that, man, we can do this. And this feeling of house money wins is way different than any of the other ones. So it's just like when you think about it, you're just like as a fan, 
it's the best possible scenario. I can win championships in any sort of uh, setting and any sort of feel good and just make that for myself or the, they can make that for me. And so I feel like, yeah, they're all the same until one of them sort of comes repetitive, right? If they create another super team and that super team wins it, then the first super team's still going to feel better than the second super team. But when you're doing it all in these different fashions, it's just like, no, they all feel just as good for the different reasons. Yeah, this one will be pure joy for people. That 100%. Happen. The, the the previous two were relief. They, but if, they you, were if relief. you were to if you were to to gauge the serotonin levels at championship time each year, probably the same for different probably reasons, but probably the same. Bye. Okay, and we lost <laughs> Ethan again. I don't know what he is doing. It's perfect so, timing. He's doing it on purpose. I mean, I, I guess I'm going to come in here uh, with another impromptu question. Oh, never mind. Ethan is back. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm back. Well, let, let, let's let's close. Let's close. I apologize. <laughs> I, I I just keep disappearing at the worst possible time. So here's this. Just, I'm sorry to everybody uh, listening to this. For you know those not watching on YouTube, Ethan keeps coming in and out. Uh, I don't know what is going on with his connection. Izzy, appreciate you for coming on. And with that, Ethan somebody really back. doesn't want me to get off this take. All right, we're gonna do this quickly. Thanks to Alex. Thanks to MiamiGamingParties.com, MortgageBuyerHouse.com. Is this and a don't joke? Don't forget four years of heat with iHeartRadio and the yep. NBA, hosted by yours truly, Israel Gutierrez. First episode drops Tuesday. That's tomorrow, May 23rd. <laughs> One episode every week, except for two episodes. We're dropping two episodes those weeks. I had one more question for you. Two weeks this is it. Pat Riley told me if they ever won another championship, he told me this in 2015 uh, when he was so angry about LeBron and he was riffing to me in his office for 45 minutes about it. He said, we ever win another one. He says, I'm not even going to be at the at the parade. He says, I'm literally, he says, me and Chris, his wife, he says, we're going, we're going straight to the airport with a bottle of wine to the south of France, and you're never going to hear from us again. Do you think, knowing him the way you know him, if they win a championship, that that's it? I believe all except for the last part. I believe he'll be gone. I believe he'll go to the south of France, and I believe we'll hear from him again the beginning of next season where he says, man, remember how cool last year was? And I think he'll always be a part. I think he'll always be visible, uh, a figurehead, if you will, even if he's not actually making any decisions or even in any meetings. But uh, I think he's established enough, and there's enough people, enough fingerprints there, like Lonzo Mourning or obviously the respect that Spoh's getting, um, that he can actually move on if they win another one and just say, my work is done here. Because Spo immediately, like just this with this run, um, is already the buy-in is automatic. You sign with this team, if you've never played for him, doesn't matter your role, the buy-in is automatic. And that's all pretty much that's, that's, that uh, Riley ever strived for, strove? for uh sure. strived for <laughs> and so yeah so you get that from the organization and from um at the coach level then then pat Riley's work here is done and yeah like i said he'll still be around because he's too good looking to not be on camera every once in a while but he's uh I, I could see him leaving for sure funniest thing is he didn't talk to us the entire year i think because he didn't want to talk about this team and now all yeah. of a sudden they may win a championship he'll be talking the day after i'm sure about that Biggest lie they ever told is that Pat's going to Malibu to retire. I don't think that's ever, <laughs> think that's ever actually happening. All right, thanks to you, Israel. You're testing the powers of your jinx with this episode right I, now. I, in all kinds of different ways. Well, I don't know. They're just going to move you off the screen again. Uh, check out the podcast, Four Years of Heat. We'll post it up on the Twitter account as well. And again, thanks to all of our sponsors. We'll be back with full coverage of Game 4, possible closeout game for the Heat on Tuesday night. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.